0: Doug. It's Jacob. Welcome to Best Worst Podcast, episode 20. Episode 20, wow. Man, that's uh, <laughs> actually, um, it's also,
1: the, I think it's episode 20, but it's the 21st one we did because we split the first one in two. So yeah. we're old enough to
0: drink in America. We are. That's convenient because <laughs> we're drinking the uh, Talisker 10-year tonight. Oh, it's a fantastic um, uh, little drop. Thank you, Talisker, for this uh, <clears throat> non official sponsorship of this evening's yeah. podcast. And if you'd like to make that actual sponsorship, I can uh, send you an address to send a scotch to. Feel um, free. We're always open to uh, <laughs> bribery from uh, Scotch Distilleries. That yep. that would be the proper uh, yep. name to call them. This is our second half of our New Zealand Film Festival preview. Yeah, because yeah, last time we weren't quite prepared. No. Nope. Um, it wasn't our fault. The so, schedule hadn't come out yet. <laughs> Monday, the week before this week, maybe even two weeks back from when you're hearing
1: this, um, was the program launch for Auckland, and subsequently Wellington the Friday afterwards, was it, or the Thursday?
0: One of those. One of those.
1: Yeah, so we're now fully apprised of the, of the program,
0: and it's pretty exciting stuff. And you got to see a film, well, both of us were at the launch, and you got to see a film, and I got to see a different film, so yes. maybe speak to what you saw.
1: Yeah, well, I, I got to see Sarah Polly's documentary, "Stories We Tell, which was fantastic, and it was a film that I'd been waiting a long time for. In fact, I, th- I remember hassling the festival um, when I first kind of heard about it and read some interviews. Or rather, she didn't do interviews prior to it coming out at, at Toronto, I think, maybe. Yeah, I was um, Toronto last year. But then she wrote, she wrote, she'd written a blog post about it and then did a whole bunch of interviews after that. And Wait, so you do follow Sarah Power's blog or something? Um, I, I follow her work a little bit. Okay. I, I really enjoyed her directorial debut uh, Away From Her, yeah, which that was, was a story of a couple of elderly people... Um, their relationship when the the wife got early onset dementia so i'm int- interested in her work um and, and i just heard that this thing was coming and i uh, was very excited about it so yeah it's, it's a fantastic look at her family story but more than that she's looking at i guess the more generic way that we deal with with truth and so the whole idea of stories we tell was that she interviewed a whole range of people in her family her um half brothers sisters dad um, some other people around her mother, who passed away when she was younger, and some drama and some events that happened regarding re- involving her mother, and the whole idea was to to look at the way we remember people and that, the way that we construct our own truths. Around that sounds them.
0: really up my alley. Yeah, yeah, like. and,
1: and 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 so all of the people had their different strains, and she worked hard, I guess, to try not to edit them down too much, and, and you know, I mean, having things in where people go, "But you're going to cut this out." <laughs> <laughs> and leaving it in obviously but building a picture of someone from so many different perspectives and realizing how much our perspective is weighted by our own context right um and so how do stories and and our understanding of who someone is or or events emerge and then how does that look within
0: a a community of people that are related yeah it was was very interesting very well well done Sounds yeah. very thought provoking. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, I saw your next, which um, <laughs> is very provoking, maybe. <laughs> it's um, good fun. I would strongly advocate if the idea of going to see a revisionist slasher film appeals to you at all, that's both funny and scary. Uh, I mean, I was very tense for mm. huge chunks of the running time. Um, the fact that it is quite funny a lot of the time, mm. often in those kind of films, Dissipates the tension oh, yeah. in a certain way, whereas yeah. as soon as it becomes a comedy, it's no longer a horror. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, the exception is something like the original Scream, which actually did a very good job of combining those, I felt, yeah. certainly at the time, at least. I haven't yeah. gone back and looked at it recently. But um, I mean, obviously, this is a much lower budget film. Yeah. I'd say perhaps a couple of the performances aren't quite up to... Um, would keep me from yeah. saying it's the best film of the year or whatever. Yeah. But um, the screenplay is wicked and um, funny and s- nicely subverts expectations. Go in knowing as little as possible. Cool. Because, uh, yeah, and there's a, there's a couple strong core performances that really do carry it. Lots of clever subversions of traps. And um, Adam Winyard, who had previously directed... Um, Pop Skull? Pop Skull, which I've only seen... Part of um, for and did he have a segment in discuss. ABC? Didn't he? Uh, he did a cue for Quack actually yeah, a for with, with the writing yeah, partner, yes. which I did enjoy. Yeah. Um, uh, he also did the wraparounds for the first VHS. Oh, yeah, yeah. which I did not enjoy. Okay. Um, but uh, this, um, yeah, none of those things really necessarily point to how solid and assured his direction is here. Huh? Um, it's it's a very I mean the the limits of the budget maybe show in terms of he's he's quite clever in terms of showing certain acts of violence mm. off camera to kind of avoid having to do something too expensive or too complicated yeah and so but often but, um, that's, that's a better way to do things in terms of building yeah. tension and there and there's one scene in particular that's set in the basement near the end and i won't say anything about mm-hmm. it but that in particular is a really strong piece i mean i've owned the yeah. scandis poll and it's one of those that i'm like that might actually yeah. make my 10 for the year oh, depending wow. on how Ten it wow. turns out i don't know that i'll go see it again during the festival just because there's yeah. so much money to spend and so much yeah. time and so on i think it's but one of con- i would consider it which is a pretty high thing and and I, th- I originally thought maybe it was horror fans only but i've spoken to some other people who watched it yeah? who don't call themselves horror fans but quite went with it because there was enough story and character nice. to appeal to them as well, well so that's that uh, definitely
1: made my my cat, um and I, I had it on my list but uh my list is unfortunately having to be curtailed a bit so it's touch and go whether i'll be able to see it but it's certainly
0: something that got me excited yeah, yeah. well that yeah it's um there's always more in the uh book than we can uh, <laughs> yes. go to see and yeah there's the limits of finances mm. or uh time or yeah. physicality that <laughs> yeah. have that having said that, I think we both have since our last podcast another ten in particular that we're yes. kind of uh prioritized for various reasons yeah. um i'll start by getting probably what long term <laughs> listeners will know is the most obvious one out yeah. of the way, if not necessarily my absolute favorite. But um, it's not a New Zealand film festival without the latest film by Hong Song-soo, uh, the Korean auteur, who yeah. brought, last year, I believe, brought us... Was last year The Day He Arrives? Oh No, yeah. last year was In in Another Country, the Isabel Hupera one. Did he have the, two last year? Or was that no, year that was, the year, before, thought, it was yeah. Yeah. the year before. Was The year before was The Day He Arrives in and He's movie. That's right. Yeah. And I think the year before that was Like You Know It All and Ha Ha Ha. Huh, so we yeah. had two... Um, double Hongs uh, in a row, followed by a single Hong last year. Nobody's Daughter Hei Won is the film that he's got this year. And the thing its um, a must-see for me, not because it's even tipped to be yeah. Hong's greatest film, um, but it is um, I guess one of the joys of certain auteurs and seeing their films every year is often the more you see of them, the more they speak to each other, and the yeah. more it's like Kind of like returning to an old friend, yeah. In a way, well, it's interesting um, to see the progression in somebody's work, um, yeah. and that's part of the reason why I, I, you know, you follow
1: auteurs, and and it's interesting to see where they go. And sometimes you're a little bit kind of perplexed. So um, what, what's what's this one yeah. kind of doing?
0: No idea. No idea. No, it's, it's oh, that's all right. It's, 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 ba- it's, it's black, black and white. Over. It's got a woman in it, and you know that's. That's the way I like to approach a Hong film. It's just, it's just like, well, I mean, the thing is, it's kind of like a Woody Allen film. You kind of know what the shape of it's going to be. So it's going to be naturalist. It's going to be people getting drunk on soju and doing embarrassing yeah, yeah. things and having Critique romantic engagements. Um, sometimes family traditions. Sometimes just cultural traditions. Yeah. Sometimes and the fallibility of the artists. And yeah. you know, there's usually a filmmaker or a writer or some other creative person in his films, um, and they get in an entanglement. And mm. usually there's also um, some form of structural repetition that informs the film in a way, like the day he arrives. And Turning Gate both have sort of a, a double structure. Yeah. Uh, in Another Country has Isabel Huppert playing three different characters. Oh, there's yeah. sort of three stories that yeah. are told, and they're all set at the same <laughs> place, and they're all written by this girl. And using those... Uh, repetitions within the film to uh, you know underline little symmetries or incongruities that he finds interesting. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean I, the the one thing I will say is I mean a lot of people I think have tried a Hong film yeah. and often they're like yeah it's okay and some of them or they not, may not even like it very much and give up but the ones who go back for a second one usually like the second one more mm. and the ones who go back for the third one usually like the third one more than the first two. Yeah. So. It's to my taste. Um, you've got um, yep, your S- own yeah. app, favorite <laughs> yeah. auteur. Okay, so one of my one of my favorite um, uh, filmmakers who I've been sort of following.
1: Actually, I, I jumped in on mutual appreciation. Um, so this is Andrew Budowski who has, um, for whatever you know, whether you think it's re- regrettable or, or, or not, he's been tied to the movement termed as mumblecore, um, which I, I had no idea about when I first started watching his films, and and to be honest, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, if, if I like the films they're good there are some things in, in that supposed movement that I don't like and some that I do um, but all of his films I've really liked um, and that's
0: Beeswax was yeah, the most recent one to yeah, play the but, yeah
1: Beeswax was 09 um, maybe I've seen them all since Mutual Appreciation I'm going to go with the a
0: few years back yeah yeah, well, yeah. Say
1: I've seen them all this is like number 4 yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean Funny haha. A funny so funny haha. One, right? I, I missed yeah. it but I, I got it on DVD and, and, and I really like it as well so he, he's well known for very kind of talky films uh, lots of seemingly improvised but he actually kind of writes them quite tightly I think and very much you kind of your um, young intellectual beeswax sort of shifted things up an age a bit to maybe early 30s, late 20s whereas he'd been sort of just post college before that um, and a lot of people sort of hanging around talking about the things of life very slice of life kind of little films uh, beautifully written, beautifully composed and executed, a lot of non-professional actors, computer chess I guess I should say prior to the festival I've um, seen a screener of the film and, and I interviewed Andrew um, recently for Lumiere Yeah, for Lumiere, Lumiere. a very so, good so, interview yeah, recommended so feel free to jump on he, he's um, very effusive and and, and gives some great in- insight into his process um, and I would also say that the, the film Computer Chess is very difficultly spoiled like it's hard to spoil the film because it's not a straightforward plain narrative right. so basically this one is on the surface at least as a far cry from mm-hmm. his other films i described describe it in two ways where he took his penchant for um very naturalistic slice of life settings and took it in two very extreme directions. One uh, he made a film that's almost like a faux documentary so if you're watching it you could think it's a documentary then you probably realise after a little while that it's not but it's shot um, it's it's a period piece set in the early 80s at a computer chess convention so it's somewhat about the chess but more so about the programmers who run these programs that uh, play chess and, and are trying to beat human and basically the the starts of um, uh, artificial intelligence. So at some sort of conference thing, it's, pretty, it's a lockdown film that sort of all happens for the most, except for one scene in this conference centre. In the other way, he then shoots off into this almost Lynchian surrealist vibe, and there's, there's also this somewhat of an undertone and somewhat made more obvious in the film um, conspiracy theory right. tone happening. Where people are talking about um, the government using this kind of um, intelligence that you're creating for chess programs, all that kind of stuff, except that it doesn't really go there. It's, it's just, it appeals to me on so many levels. It, it was, um, and it was actually sh- shot
0: on a, vi- yes. a traditional video camera, much yeah. like No, right? Yeah. Where it was yeah. t- technology of the time. It was
1: technology of the time, and it was a very rare, rarely used camera that may have been used for TV stuff, but probably more for sort of amateur video. Or, pro am kind of video shooting of the time. So, he shot on these cameras, and and his reflection on the technology, well, the use of it at least, was that it presented a lot of difficulty in actually editing because there are no systems set up to be able to work with it. Um, Right. But actually, shooting on it wasn't so bad. It looks pretty fantastically interesting from that perspective because you've got this really odd sort of visual aesthetic. But for me, it was quite enthralling. And then you've got this really interesting tone, which is like faux documentary meets surrealism, and some really interesting kind of editing going on in it as well. And then the characters, these true kind of computer geeks, and he uses a lot of non-professional um, actors. And so some a lot of these people are academics. The odd person is actually involved in computer chess programming. Right. Um, and so it's a really sh- weird but... Oddly compelling group of people to watch um, and put and events that sort of play out. It, it was my most um, anticipated film of the year in our, in our pod that we did a while back, um, and having seen it, it will de- almost definitely be in my top five of the festival in another year. Right. I think. It's the kind of film that probably will appeal to a subset of viewers, but if kind of the realist meets the real thing. I don't know. It's hard to say there's any <laughs> film that this compares to. but It one, sounds great. There's one yeah. film every year, well, not every year, but almost every year that kind of just jumps off the page at me and, and hooks like, my classic um, example is the Beaver Trilogy, which there has been no film like it Yeah, since, yeah. <laughs> which just appealed to me in so many ways. And Computer Chess is a similar kind of beast in that it, it's odd but very well made, very enthralling, and it just appeals to me in so many ways. You can tell I'm so excited about this Yeah, film. yeah.
0: <laughs> you should see it. We should, we <laughs> should get more whiskey down here so you can <laughs> hop down a bit. Um, speaking of um, other, though, our tours that uh, are back yes. um, and sneaking in from Cannes with a very last-minute announcement. Yes. Um, well, actually, I'm very excited because
1: I, I, I thought we'd missed it with the Cannes announcement, um, but closing night film for the Auckland Festival, well, official closing night film, yeah. is um, Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive. Now, this is um kind of ostensibly i guess a vampire film um but how much that will play into things who knows it's got a few of jamush's kind of recent muses so tilda swinton in a main role there um john hurt returns i think oh great um and and a couple of others that he tom hiddleston tom hiddleston yeah yeah who you know he's in the avengers he's in a few other things but he he's he's an interesting cat and so it'd be interesting to see how he plays in that but basically if you know Jarmusch Films, um, the, the brochure, I think, um, the film festival writer basically intimated that this was returned a return to a similar aesthetic and style to Dead Man, maybe, which if you like that, which I did. Um, Who doesn't? Yeah, well, um, some people found it slow and boring.
0: Who are these people? What do we do with uh, them? I don't know. I don't think they're my friends. <laughs> Re-educate. <No. laughs> I don't think I hang out with them. This is sort of, it seems like a Clockwork Orange style. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway. But anyway, it's Jamush, um Something fresh and new. Um, and as we've sort of talked about on pods before, I'm somewhat obsessed with vampire films um, that aren't Twilight. Uh, and... Jim Jarmusch and Vampires, it's not something I ever yeah. would have considered have being a reality, and it is, and yes, I'm very excited. So I'm I'm booked in for that.
0: And the reviews have been pretty uh, rapturous as well. I mean, Michael Angelo uh, was um, quite glowing about it. Oh, and uh, and he's, yeah.
1: He's not always glowing about many. No, no.
0: He's, <laughs> I, I think, well, the first half he, in particular, he thought it was going to be one of his, he was going to give it a 95 or something, mm. which for a guy who rarely breaks you know 70. 60 yeah. yeah or something um one of my um favorite NZ Film Festival films in my whole time that I've been here yep. was uh Certified Copy which oh, correct, I, I mean, can't remember if that put the same year as Limits of Control or not but, I think um, it might have
1: oh yeah so Limits of Control yeah. was
0: Jumbush's last film here which I really love, yeah. but it
1: Kind of got mixed responses, yeah.
0: Well, I think there was also a disaster with it not being subtitled. Yeah, the I was, I was yeah. in that.
1: Um, actually, it was um, a whole real almost a whole reel out. It was like two minutes and something out in, in a real, right, sorry. Okay. And so, but being a Jarmusch film, it was hard to tell to begin with whether that was supposed to be happening <laughs> or not. Intentional, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, that's the my Kirstami. awkward uh, segue to Abbas Kiarostami, who yeah. I guess is an Iranian filmmaker, uh, was sort of famous in the 90s for... Uh, films like Through the Olive Trees, mm. uh, The Taste of Cherry, um, sort of uh, close-up Iranian, somewhat realist dramas that often had some reflexive element that took them out of strict realism. Yeah. Uh, the Wind Will Carry Us. And then he kind of went quiet for a while and was doing a lot of obscure little documentary kind of things. And then... Um, broke back onto the international stage in a big way with certified company, copy yeah. which was set in italy he's now done his follow-up film like someone in love which actually played a can last year oh so this is another light sort of thing. yeah yeah there was uh, there was uh, some complications last year with not being able to get it the distributor to agree to it but you know finally now we get to uh, <laughs> see the fruits of it um again um i know a bit more about it than i'd like to but basically it's, I set, think in japan, it, it's it? set in japan yeah. and uh again features a, a man and a woman and i don't know much about it but it, it seems like again the protean nature of their relationship is kind of changing throughout it it has eluded a lot of people uh and it apparently plays some games with shifting genres and shifting expectations oh. which seems to be a lot of kiristami's mo of late yeah um and so that's really exciting i mean a lot a lot of uh people have been rapturous about it many more even those who love certified copy have been a bit stymied by it i'm dead keen to see it visually he's a strong filmmaker it will be completely Mm. unexpected and in in terms of parsing it so (laughs) it should be a good film and fun to wrestle with yeah he's Um, he's
1: an interesting filmmaker yeah regardless of whether you're particularly into his stuff or
0: not (laughs) <laughs> I think, I hate, I don't know, I guess that makes it sound like work a bit. And, um, well, I, well I, no, I, I, I like his stuff, so, yeah. I mean, it's something that I was, it's made my list. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I, I just get a little defensive, because it's like, you know, some of these films you talk about, it's like, I'm not going to like someone in love, because I'm like, oh, no, I must watch the very serious film. It's like, certified <laughs> copy, even though it's like, you know, kind of surrealist and, Weird. It's I have like, done I, that a few times really, where I've gone to films because I thought that you know oh, I should probably go to this, and occasionally been uh, well, you know, been
1: surprised in a really good way, and occasionally yeah. felt like I am doing the drudge work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I mean, student last year was I think a film where I felt the kind of drudge yeah, work yeah. sort of thing, but um, you know, it's um, and sometimes it's just not um, being on the same wavelength mm. as the film, yeah. and I mean that I guess that's the argument for maybe doing more research than you know, for instance, I've done with. A film like Someone in Love, like I don't really know. I know more than I'd like, but I don't yeah. know a lot. And um, uh, no, that's man, fine with me. The,
1: the surprise, I think, it's less and less um, a possibility nowadays in the, in the sort of oversaturated online environment. Um, yeah. So to to get to like the program and to read about something that you've never heard of, you know nothing about, and you're not going to look up anything else about it. It's I, I find that exciting. Yeah. And because you can find these these things which are just gems and occasionally you know you have fails but
0: yeah well that's and i mean some of my favorite films over the years um there was a film 1208 east of bucharest comes to mind mm. is one that i didn't know anything about yeah just um a little romanian dead yeah knocked, knocked me for six when i saw it It was Fantastic. just so brilliant and unexpected conversely there's a film coming that i know a lot about, about and have enthused to anybody who would sit still for more than 15 seconds at a time i think i got um, onto it via you of some time back Possibly, um, it's to the point that at the festival launch, um, before I had a chance to read the program, I was accosted in the urinal by. Uh, <laughs> that sounds disturbing. It, th- uh, it was <laughs> an enthusiastic friend came up to me while I was standing there, was like, "Did you see the Leviathan's playing?" Uh... And I'm like, no, that's the most excited I've ever been to be told that a fishing documentary is showing at a film festival. <laughs> um, the fishing documentary sounds so boring. So you're doing a bit of fishing then, or I. <laughs> I haven't done a lot of fishing. (laughs) It's it's not an area of personal interest. But having said that, um, Leviathan is an area of great personal interest Mm. um, because it is such a cinematic work from the clips that I've seen. Mm. Um, Yeah, very visceral clips. Yeah, there's this organization, the Sensory Ethnographic Lab in Harvard, that's, I think, a postgraduate uh, department there, that um, is really interested in interrogating um, traditional ways of documentary Mm. filmmaking and finding different ways to... um, Approach nature in particular and, and the experience of capturing yeah. that. And, and so there's two directors. It does, um, whose names I won't be able to get. I think it's Lucy and Casting Taylor and Verena Paravel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds right. Casting and Taylor one and of them uh, did a film called uh, Sweetgrass in combination with a different director which played the fest a few years oh. ago in what was then called the slow section. The slow section has now been replaced by the bold section which I quite like because um, it really um, allows to group Films that may be quite different in their intents all have this really um, strong directorial style front and center, whether it's yeah. um, sort of the confrontation of something like uh, the Paradise trilogy that's playing yeah. with Ulrich Seidel's films, yeah. or the um, Upstream Color, I think, is another yeah. film in there. And then Leviathan is, in terms of uh, the film, which I've discussed before in the podcast, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, these small portable GoPro cameras yeah. that are waterproof that follow the um, adventures of this trawling boat as it, uh, this giant trawler, goes into the. W- Water with its nets and scoops up the fish, brings the nets around the front, <laughs> rises them up, and and creates these perspectives that are entirely impossible to us as humans yeah. to experience. And, and the and,
1: film comes with like some some minor sort of motion sickness warnings. <laughs> Beware, sitting yes. right up. Close. You
0: may not want to sit in the first row for this one. <laughs> but um, uh, having said that, I think that um, it's. Going to be uh, an unmissable big screen experience. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's my most anticipated film of the year. Wow. Um, right up there with Upstream Color. Yeah. And. Um, if I could only afford two tickets this year, it would be Leviathan and Upstream Colour.
1: Yeah, well, and, I'm. Def- and Suspiria, but that's. Uh, I'm definitely
0: getting to both of those as well, yeah. That's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah, speaking of the bold section, you've got one that struck your yes, interest one, there as well. Yeah,
1: one that um, that uh, was one of those films out of left field that I'd never heard of until I, I read the program um, and was instantly excited by the, by the description was uh, a little um, film called Harmony Lessons. And uh, first up, it's from Kazakhstan, and aside from Borat. <laughs> uh, um anyone who knows uh anything about my cinematic preferences will know that i'm or, or even just general preferences will know that i'm quite interested in eastern europe
0: um, are there any russian vampire films yeah, yeah. that was pretty <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, yes, yes, I mean... That the, are coming of age uh, stories. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's Nightwatch. Nightwatch,
1: yeah. 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 Which is kind of a vampire film, kind of not, yeah. But uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, it's quite over the top, with a yeah. very Russian sensibility underneath it all. Yeah, um, a very distinct in form yeah. from Harmony Lessons, yeah.
0: from what I can tell.
1: So Harmony Lessons is um, a Kazakhstan film, so it's, um, it's very low-key, um, one of the things that sort of leapt out for me was the, the image they chose from the film in the um, festival brochure, The Still, um, in the program, uh, is just a very simple shot of two young men lying in bunk beds uh, with their heads at either end of of, of the bunks. Uh, very simple, but very striking. Is um, it
0: like a prison story or a boarding school story? Yeah, I think like a boarding school yeah.
1: kind of story. Okay. Um, um, now, do you ever watch clips online, or do you watch? Or t- I, I do occasionally, no. but I'm, I've avoided looking at this one right, um, okay. because the description was enough to grab me. And okay. So I don't, I don't, I don't need anything else. It's an Eastern European film. It's uh, it's about some sort of harsh conditions, some young people. Um, but it's it, in the festival write up. It had uh, comparisons to uh, both Robert Bresson and uh, Tarkovsky. Again, if you know anything about my film preferences in terms of classics, um, Bresson and Tarkovsky. Uh, two of my faves and i guess um most influential classic directors bresson for his noticeable kind of stripped back aesthetic his uh use of non-professional actors and and, and i guess kind of almost extreme attempts to remove performance from his um from his features and then tarkovsky with very striking strong imagery um Yeah, so this this just sounds fantastic. If it, uh, if it reaches anywhere near either of those two directors, then it's you know it's going to be in my top ten for sure.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I um I feel like I've often been burnt on um directors who are described as Brisson-esque. Because I mean, I love yeah. both those directors, but yeah. um for instance, Student last year by Omerbev mm. was um compared to Brisson mm. in that, and it's like well. Yeah, you have a non actor and you're not doing much with a camera. But <laughs> that doesn't make you brisson. It's, um, no. no. Um, but, I mean, having said that, it, Harmony Lessons is a completely different beast and it'll mm. be interesting to see if that has that. It hasn't worked out for my schedule. Um, but I'm sure it packs its own uh, yeah. thrills. Uh. Yep.
1: Yeah, I, I, I suspect it will be quite thrilling. And uh, speaking of thrills. My other film, which is obviously another um, slow-moving European um, introspective film, is is called uh, Cheap Thrills. Um, actually, no. It's, it's, in, it's in, in the strange section. Um, this was a film that uh, I, I picked up on straight out of uh, South by Southwest debut, I think. Well, because you're quite a Pat
0: Healy fan, right? Yes, who's one of the lead yeah, actors and so, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, so
1: Pat Healy. Um, it's in fact it's it's a reunion of Pat Healy and Sarah Paxton, who people remember from The Innkeepers. So
0: they were the yeah. two leads from The Innkeepers. And if you don't remember that, you might remember Pat Healy from Compliance last <laughs> yes, year, Compliance, as, yeah. as a uh, gentleman caller who yeah, makes life yeah. <laughs> difficult for some of our stars. Yeah, yeah. And um, as if to see if you could do something more audience <laughs> off-putting than compliance, no, yeah, He's yeah. back this year. <laughs> so cheap thrills is a bit of a, an exercise in bad taste, I,
1: I suspect. And some people, some friends who meet at the bar and then have like the ultimate and awful dears. But it, it sounds kind of low budget, but quite electric. And, right. and I mean, I, I'm not put off by things being perhaps a bit off-color or, or or shocking. That kind of stuff, you know, can be quite quite good if it's well done and I mean I, I, I trust in, in Pat Healy as as, uh, as an actor that he, he picks for the most part very interesting projects so I'm, I'm keen to see that. I'm keen to see him and Sarah Paxton together yeah. again. The director um, is Kevin coming. Katz. Yeah he's coming so he's going to be there and, and um, I'll take the opportunity I'm sure to um, ask him a couple of questions and you know, if um if, if he's sneaking away with Ant for drinks afterwards, well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> tag along, hey.
1: Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Um, he hasn't done much before that I've I've seen.
0: Um, uh, maybe it's first time. It, it might I'm be his debut. I think. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's done... to me, to me, to be honest, it looks like Saw meets Fear Factor, yeah. and I don't like either of those things <laughs> individually, so I'm not really interested in watching them collectively. Yeah. And in fact, I think the program may even describe it as Saw meets Fear, Fear Factor, factor. <laughs> but um it looks pretty exciting to me and with the
1: director in an audience that's going to be pretty good so yeah it should
0: it's it's certainly one of the more um it's not going to be boring it's definitely (laughs) not going to be boring um one of the incredibly strange titles that maybe doesn't have the same marquee value but sleeped Mm. out leapt out to me a bit more is a um can pickup called blue ruin that played in one of the sidebars there and any relation to, is um, like a sequel to the ruins? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it is not a sequel to the ruins. It is, um, it's a I, it's a slow burn thriller, um, and I don't know very much about it other than I was on the fence about it. And I watched some clips, and um, oh, really? Yeah, well, that's something. That's why I was asking about Harmony Lessons. I actually watched yeah. some clips from Harmony Lessons as well. It's like I don't watch something if I know I am going to see it. Yeah, but if I am like kind of like oh, I am not sure, and especially at, um, the festival, it's like well. I so figure many. it out yeah, somehow, yeah. And, and thankfully, actually, with both Harmony Lessons and Blue Ruin, I think they actually had individual scenes mm. on there, and I and I prefer that a lot to trailers because yeah. I don't care about getting a little synopsis of the story. I no. care about how does this director yeah tell the story, and um, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't exactly say Darden, but there is sort of a similar vibe with what I saw of Blue Ruin, at least where it was quite process oriented and. Mm. Uh, observing, there's a scene in the um, clip that I saw where he's got a gun that has a lock on it on the trigger and he's mm. for whatever reason trying to break the lock oh, off yeah. the trigger and it's quite a lengthy yeah. cumbersome process and follows it in real time And um, that
1: vaguely uh, reminds me of the Rocket scene in cut um, cutoff okay. with the uh, loading the rifle scene
0: yeah, it, this is yeah, it's different uh, but it's not but it's it's a similar deliberate sort of pace, yeah, and uh, and so it's um, it's a very it seems like a very unsensationalist form of filmmaking, and that's yeah. um, an interesting uh, I choice think that, for that I section that, that to me. That I didn't tell so. that much water with you. Um, they do it with it, me, yeah. I, <laughs> Uh, the the what I don't like about the Darden's yeah. is it in a lot of times and I I don't I mean I don't dislike them to the same level yeah. I <laughs> dislike somebody like Ken Loach but um and I mean I I appreciated Rosetta and the Sun yeah. quite a bit mm. um I do find that some of their films are a bit we are going to teach you a lesson yeah first and whenever. Whenever I hear a film trying to teach me a lesson, yeah. I just rebel. Okay. Like, and that's kind of often my issue with Ken Loach films yeah. and Farhadi films. And some of them is, it's like, we're making a statement about society and yeah. it's like, you're making a dramatic film that's cooked, yeah, you know, and you've stacked this information mm. to make us feel that way. and And that's okay in certain situations, but I just... Yeah, the Dardans sort of flirt with that a bit. Yeah, yeah. But I do find something compelling about watching these things. And, and I think, particularly, that kind of filmmaking in a more thriller. Yeah. Uh, so,
1: Blue Room, what is, the, what is it?
0: Is it a. Um, well, we could go to this page of the. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's basically a revenge thriller, is oh, my okay. limited understanding. Well, that would be quite of interesting. Um, applying yeah, that kind of yeah, setup to a. Um it's interesting it's called it it's called a deeply comic narrative here so um uh, <laughs> me, <laughs> very daunting d- yeah well, yeah per, perhaps this is the danger of not learning much yeah. about things that you want to see before you see them but i mean certainly the bit that i saw um didn't seem particularly um Comedic. comic but um, that's, you know, seeing these things in isolation, yeah. it's quite hard to tell.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but it does, it does I mean, it does also note here, um, terrifically directed and thoughtful widescreen compositions and deftly shot. And all mm. that's quite true. It seemed a very accomplished yeah. film, very thoughtful, um, in its put-togetherness. Put-togetherness? I'm really destroying the English <laughs> language tonight. Um, speaking of destroying the English language, that's not even a relevant segue. Um, but speaking uh, of incredibly strange Fans might have missed this one um, and it is a bit of a leap because it is actually quite a gentle film but mm-hmm. um, a few years ago there was a great animated film called A Town Called Panic no I caught that um, and that was fantastic I've got the DVD at home I, was so I actually almost bought it the other day and I kind yeah. of regret not buying it I think I will pick it up the next yeah. time um, so super surreal film yeah. <laughs> animation super surreal animation film it's so um, good yeah. I, was,
1: I, I was somewhat um, disappointed that it didn't have an English dub so I could show my kids, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> obviously right, they can't yeah. read subtitles.
0: Um, but one of these days, that, that's how you teach them how to read. <laughs> They'll just be so engaged with it. Um, so Ernest and Celestine yeah. is, and in, in, interestingly, the animation section is really light this year. There's yeah. usually a lot more titles, and for some reason, They've who got knows, the, the usual kind of um, yeah, the animation an, now and animation for kids. kids, and none of the Japanese animation that we usually no, no. see. But um, yeah. I know next to nothing about Ernest and Celestine other than it's a different form of animation. It's more of like a watercolor thing. Um, So what I heard was that there was a guy that wrote the story and sort of
1: started doing it. And then uh, maybe either the producers or somebody felt like he needed um, a hand, I think, with the process to get it sort of sorted. And so they brought in the directors from um, Town Called Panic. Or, that's or, also or, how Reddit have the, 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 the animator <laughs> from Town Called <laughs> Panic. Right. And to to try and I guess um, bring a bit more shape and movement to the project, and apparently they work quite well. So
0: Right, well yeah, I mean that's often the case with um, there's been quite a few animated films over the years where they've needed somebody to come in and do that. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I mean there's a bear and a mouse, yeah. and they become friends for, and yeah. it's cute. <laughs> and I it, it for me it like it has the potential to scratch I hesitate to say the My Neighbor Totoro, because yeah, yeah. that film is so precious to me, and it's mm. not gonna. If you come in with that expectation, you're bound to be disappointed. Yeah. But um, I think there's something about uh, you can get through the end of the film festival, and you can have seen so many throat slitting docos yeah. and so many dark, incredibly you need some light moments, and in so it. many yeah. four hour Filipino like uh, crime retribution films, yeah. and yeah, and just and I'll have, yeah I'll be coming off some of those, and to just spend time with a cute little bear and his cute little rabbit friend for 80 minutes actually seems quite pleasant to me yeah it looks like a
1: a very appealing film um and uh i think you're right i think i i know that um in festivals past i've come out of um uh, like a 10 film stretch of very dark territory and uh and then thought i don't know if i can do this next run but then hit something a, a little more kind of light or comedic and it's really just done the job of um providing a lift when i needed
0: it and and also being as you know super enjoyable yeah yeah um speaking of like uh previous fest favorites returning with yes. new uh titles yes yeah, so last year
1: um directorial debut of um zell bat um with sound of my voice which mm-hmm. was uh, a collaboration with brit marling um, and again th- They come back With their second collaboration um, this, this year with The East Which was another film That um, I was really hoping We'd get a chance to see So I'm excited to see it On the festival program uh, it's, They've gone a little bit more I guess, I guess they've got A bit more budget have gone a little bit More mainstream They've got a few actors People will recognise So there's Alexander Skarsgård um, Who people will recognise You know um, Stalin Skarsgård's son He's been in all sorts of things um, From Melancholia To True Blood People will recognise him uh, Alan Page and, oh, okay. yep, who's uh, from All Manner of Things and mm-hmm. Super Juno, what have you. And uh, Britt Marling, again, is, is acting again. And I think she was a co-writing, so Zell yeah. Bat- mainly directed. And as I've pointed out in the past, he's the uh, brother of um, Vampire Weekend guitarist slash, um, slash songwriter, um, Rostem Batmangley. Bat- Bat- so, talented family. And this kind of like a thriller about um, ecological... Um, eco-terrorist right? eco yeah. yeah and so there's like uh, an eco-terrorist slash cult organisation um, that operates uh, Britt Marling's character works for uh, she's like ex-government I think and works for a co- uh, like a private c- company contractor so she's, she works for private industry now To and she gets sent to infiltrate this eco-terrorist thing and it's all about her getting deep into this into this organisation and then possibly losing her ideal or or sense of uh, connectedness to the role that she's supposed to be taking in terms of um, subverting and finding out and that kind of stuff. The story itself sounds like it could be interesting. Eco terrorism doesn't really sort of ring my bell particularly, but um, the sound of my voice was so compelling yeah. um, for Britt Marling's performance and for Bat Mangley's use of. Uh, a tone and um, use of budget and 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 actors and 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 his way That's of story true. construction. Yeah. That um, yeah, it's an instant sell for me just to see how they come out in the second round. Because um, uh, yeah, I think um, sound of my voice came from virtually from nowhere for me up to my kind of top ten. I, that might have been number six on my list last year. Yeah, um,
0: yeah, the sound of my voice is quite an impressive film. Yeah, um, I. It's funny, because I was quite anticipating this film, and then um, somewhere in the last few months I saw Another Earth, which is another co-written Brit Marling film. I really disliked that film, Mm. and then The East has opened to a bit of mixed reviews. Mm. At this point it's a toss-up, because it's showing in the same slot as uh, The Spectacular Now, which is a coming-of-age story. Yeah, yeah, James
1: Ponsault. That's another one on my list.
0: And that's edited by... a guy I fell on Twitter, Darren Navarro, who edited Killer Joe as well. Oh, and so, okay. um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm actually an editing fanboy. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But it's a coming-of-age story, so I might have to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. It's sort of hovering near the bottom of my list. Is, and it also yeah. seems like it might come back. So Yeah, that's um, one of the things. Um, yeah, I it's think always a gamble with that sort of thing. I'm sort
1: of up on the air. Yeah. I'm very keen to see it, but whether it will come back or not is another thing. I, I suspect it may get some play at... The academy of the Rialto. so but you know it's whether do you bank on that i don't know i don't know do you have a choice you know yeah, so, yeah, only yeah. so many dollars and yeah you know. yeah
0: but um I'm guessing it's certainly, it's certainly yeah. something i really want to see yeah. i'm guessing your other choice here probably won't come back
1: yeah well this one is unlikely to come back in the program it's in the the fresh section it's one called Developed. um it's from the netherlands and tunisia and it's about video store junkie, or DVD store um, p- employee. Pretty low budget, apparently shot in chapters. Um, a bunch of social and um, national and cultural issues explored through the interactions of this video store right. jockey. So um, uh, that that just appeals. I mean, I've got to admit that I like the construction of a video store employee just because you know (laughs) i've never worked in a video store but good friends have and uh and i've spent plenty of time plenty of time in video stores um and so uh, it's one of those things that i mean it's an unknown quantity um it's got some setup stuff that looks like it would be quite interesting it's from a place that i don't really know a lot about um and so it's got that kind of mystique appeal that this could be something really
0: interesting um and maybe it's, maybe it's not, but I, I'm going to bank that so. it is. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I i wasn't going to mention it, but on the same page, there's a film called Everyday Objects, oh, which yeah. is also in the fresh section, which has yeah. jumped out to me in a similar way. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's not about some place obscure in that it's set in Germany, but um, observational... Mm. Drama by a first-time director. And, I mean, so many of these we're judging on, you know, Ernest and Celestine Mm. in the East and, like, Someone in Love and Only Lovers Left Alive, all these films, because we've seen... works films, like, yeah, yeah. but, you know, at some point you have to... Take a seat. Yeah, well, exactly, because how are you going to find the next director that you're excited by... Dogtooth. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Um, Speaking of that theme, Oracle Drive... Um, Now, there's a number of I I uh, don't know, I don't remember anything about this. Yeah, well, it's a film by a guy named Gabriel White who shot it up in Albany, and um, I watched a little clip of it online which I found from when they were doing a Kickstarter to get finishing funds. Oh, okay. Um, This is its world premiere. As far as I know, this is his first film. I don't
1: recognize that name at all.
0: Yeah, I don't recognize it. I don't know any of the people involved with it. There's a lot of narration in it. It's almost and a lot of... um, A kind of voiceover sort of stuff. Yeah, but sort of like, it's sort of Slightly reminded me of Chris Marker's *Sans Soleil* in a way, of like oh, yeah. kind of this essay film, yeah. I- interrogating what it made into an alien landscape, which is basically yeah. the North Shore of Auckland. <laughs> um You know, looking at the the side of uh, yeah, billboards, sounds, sounds about right, and things like that, and and just and taking. Have you been to the North know, shore? This, this it really it, it cr- an alien environment. I is. have been to the North Shore, and I don't disagree. I don't think they, they maybe... let people out from <laughs> there. <that. laughs> um, I sort of hate to bang. Well, no, I don't hate to bang this drum. I I bang it a lot, but you know, there's kind of seem to be a few tropes that get repeated over and yeah. over in Kiwi filmmaking, yeah. and this one seems to fall well outside any of those yeah. comfort zones. It's not a coming of age film. It's not um, a dark psyche. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it seems like it's a bit surreal. It's a bit risky. It's yeah. a bit um, very much. Maybe not an entirely original, but certainly a more personal, do you think, obscure vision. What, what and, sort of?
1: How long through the runtime do you think they create a motorcycle or something?
0: <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, they, they, there's there's the bit where they um, stand on the East Cape and the fog's coming yeah, in over yeah. the hills. Um, anyway, um, another film that uh, might be slipping under um, some radars, which Ooh. is in the bold section. Museum hours has yes. that one. Yes. Caught your attention at yes, all? Yes, it has. Yeah. Well,
1: partially because it's um it's the film that's um being sponsored by Lumia Reader. Oh, true, I can, of course. Can yes. to.
0: Yeah.
1: Um Yeah, yeah. Jim Cohen is a name that I've sort of come across.
0: Yeah, so Jim Cohen um is maybe most famous to people as the guy who directed the Fugazi documentary Instrument. Mm, yeah. Um he also did a documentary called Benjamin Smoke about um a musician in georgia which got a bit of traction there was a film called chain that played here in i think an architectural film festival in 2006 it kind of like slid in and off Good the Lord. radar <laughs> and, it, and it was just one of those i'm like uh like wait what's that doing here and snuck out to it and um there's a film that he had done when he was in new york called lost book found that was a short film that i saw ages and ages ago in a 16 mil print oh, wow. in someone's basement in portland that was like <laughs> i was like wow this guy's really interesting and, yeah. and then um following him ever since and uh museum hours seems to be his breakout hit it just opened in the states this week and it's been getting rapturous reviews, um, Cinema Guild, who I think i mentioned before, yeah. who are We really say that
1: relatively in terms of Breakout
0: Head. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah. It's getting like, some good critical legs. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, I think I've grossed about, what, only twice as much as White House Down? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it opened in, like, two theatres. But oh, it, yeah. it, it was received very really well in those yeah. two theatres, yeah. and um, it seems to be um, getting universal raves across the board. I must admit, when I
1: first read it, I... I don't know how this happened, but I misread it as
0: a documentary. Right. I don't think it's a documentary It's not a even in the documentary section. No, it's no. not. Um, yeah, so it's in in the Kunsthistorisch... I'm not... I should never be allowed to pronounce foreign words. It's in Vienna. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so it's two two characters hanging out in a museum, and I think it's as much a character drama as it is an exploration yeah. of that museum. And then mm. also, I think, the other people who wander through that museum. Um so yeah, it seems like it's a little bit off center, yeah. but at the same time, um, it seems to be connecting to people on a lot of different levels. And but bo- as both a human story, and I mean, yeah, I think it's I guess quite you thought, think
1: it, quite thoughtful yeah. cinema and uh, and kind of interestingly
0: constructed. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's exciting to me anyway. So definitely on my list. If I though. haven't bored you with that description, then I urge you to look around online because yeah, Cinema Guild who distributes. Um, fantastic films, like, you know, everything from 35 Shots of Rum oh, to right, Leviathan yeah. to... Um, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Hong Song Su Films is distributing wow. that film in the States. So that's, and a, that's so a great that endorsement. I distributed Turn Horse and Once Upon a Time oh, in Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. So
1: like, films of note. That, yeah. <laughs> that, are, that are perhaps take a little more um, attention.
0: I suppose so, yeah. But, I mean, that um, sounds,
1: but uh, like, I, I, for instance... Um, once Upon a Time in Anatolia was one of my top films of last year. It was mm. just an amazing, really, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, a, a film f- that, yeah. that engaged me in many ways,
0: even though it was quite a, a slowly paced film. Well, the thing is, with so many films, you need to have some kind of cues. And, like, you know, we talked yeah. about Palace films in the last time. Yeah. And um, Cinema Guild, again, is another kind of, like, yeah. well, those gatekeepers, those imprimatures yeah. like, help...
1: Yeah, well, I, I was Give unaware some, of them. Um, hang on and, uh,
0: yeah, they have some great DVDs. Well, um, and Blu-rays. We'll yeah. uh, watch the B extra sometime. Um, so there's no smooth segue really to the next one um, of yours, but there. But um, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Um, I'll go for La
1: Hola de Oro. Oh uh, yeah, um, which I don't even know what that means. the order is gold, I think. Yeah. Um, something the youth, golden youth maybe. It had a, uh, a description in the brochure, which um, slightly put Doug off and, and put me on, which was uh, likening <laughs> somewhat to uh, a, to a Ken Loach. Aesthetic. I think someone who
0: works on Ken Loach films worked on oh, it Oh yes, actually. yes. someone who worked yeah. on
1: Ken Loach films worked on it. But uh, it's a story of um, three young people trying to sneak across the border from Mexico into the states. Um, two Mexican kids and uh, a and someone else from somewhere else. Um, and. Three
0: Guatemalan kids
1: trying to legally cross. Yeah, Guatemalan. Yeah. Yep, cross the border. Um, but just the description sounded really interesting, um, quite compelling. So uh, visually, I think it'll be quite an interesting piece. And uh, I've watched a few films that sort of are set around that kind
0: of area around the border. some came to mind. Yeah. Um, and I, in a very different way, I suppose. Yeah. Monsters. <laughs> well, because even even um, the three
1: burials of um.
0: Milk a y- y- yeah. which I never saw,
1: um, which which I saw, which, but that whole area I find quite interesting, just in terms of the kind of the charged atmosphere around that that space, that physical space, and then you know uh, three kids and um, the kind of I guess what it would take for three juveniles to try and attempt something like that has an, a very interesting kind of appeal to me. Sorry, you care about people. <laughs> <laughs> and and then you know the uh, a tie into to the low gen aspects of things which um who i actually like yeah so, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah everybody has their <laughs> um
1: yeah Processed but other
0: than that i don't really know much else about it it played at uh can this year and so it in one of the sidebars and um so that's Yeah, I don't think many people have seen it. I mean, that's one of the great things about a lot of these films is the first time a lot of people get to see them. So it's yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. So I guess it's a bit um, of a punt on that level.
1: Much like you, I have kind of levels of films. There's the upper level of films, um, which in my my kind of personal rating system and my um, going through the booklet and pencil program and pencil has two ticks, um, and that's my really got to see this right. um and then there are specific ones of those that i've either had uh, sort of pre-knowledge of that i really are on my i've got to see like computer chess right. and what have you that come with an extra tick um just to say <laughs> this is in the top level but actually you can't miss this um and then the other ones i really i, I can't miss either either but you know if circumstance happens then i might but the other ones i will fight tooth and nail to not miss um and then there's uh one and a half a tick and a half for me which is um this is really good and you need to do your best to get to these um and so this is a tick and a half this actually sat in uh uh, in a new (laughs) tick Tick and a half tick and a half plus (laughs) which which, when i put a numerical value on it i call (laughs) 1.8 Um, instead of 1.5 or two, so it, it sat in a tier above my, Yeah, just a, <laughs> a slightly stuck out from the tier, from the next tier.
0: So I, I'm quite keen to see it. I feel less alone in my nerd arena
1: <laughs> yeah i've worked long and hard at my rating system which makes no sense to anybody else but it just it keeps morphing slightly every year as i have to kind of give slightly more nuance to <laughs> to my to, to my out, desire yeah. it's just the
0: programming keeps getting better and better right you have yeah, to work yeah. out
1: um okay so so that's f- from no knowledge to my next um film that i've got some interest in which is sort of more sort of a known quantity to a degree, which is Jeff Nichols, um, who people will know from Take Shelter, which I only caught up with recently. And I, I've got to say, I had mixed feelings towards. Um, yeah, I'm not a
0: huge fan at all.
1: Obviously, I really like Michael Shannon. He's fantastic. But the film itself, to me, it had some, some things I had issues with, but but it was certainly an interesting film. And so his new one, Mud, is playing and comments that this is the, the best performance from Matthew McConaughey right. um, from a couple of quarters um, makes me sit up and take notice cause, um, He's uh, had a shortage of, of good performances Yeah, prior, yeah, prior yeah. To, to a couple of years ago, Matthew McConaughey I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, he was in what, um What's the dragon one? That <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Rain of fire. Rain of oh, fire. You got, you, I loved him in that. He was, <laughs> was alright, you know. I enjoyed the, yeah. I did enjoy that, but at the There same was course, no scenery that was left unshooed by him in that. <laughs> but but
1: he's done some average stuff, um, but more recently he's done some freaking good roles like Killer Joe. Um he was in two last year, I think. Oh, Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah, and Magic Bernie Mike, Bernie well. and Killer Joe. Bernie and Killer Joe I both loved and then I caught up with Magic Mike later and again he was fantastic in that this guy is making some great choices and
0: he is killing those roles I saw him first in Lone Star the John Sayles film in 96 and I'm like this guy is going to be one of the greatest actors of our generation. Well, I remember he, from Days
1: and Confused. Right, yeah. true,
0: which was around the same time. Yeah. But then, and then he proceeded to squander the goodwill with 15 yeah. years of Jennifer Lopez romantic oh, comedies. Oh, God,
1: yeah. He, he was then, in a bunch of average stuff, but more recently, my goodness, yeah. his choices and his um his performances have been exemplary for a known actor that like, stands out like almost nobody else. Um, So... This has um, been compared to uh, an almost um, Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer kind of piece about a couple of young young kids, uh, young boys, and he comes on as the kind of the adult who um, provides a sort of an adult touch point for them, um, and that's something that appeals to me. I have this... Re- I just don't like movies
0: about Mard, kids. Mud was the name of the film, sorry. I <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, I'm not overly fond of kids, but you get the odd performance, which is really good um, or interesting,
0: but... The Return, I guess. The Return was a film with children that I really liked. And um, my neighbor, Totoro, in a very different register. Um, But yeah, I think in general there's a... um... Uh, Yeah, I don't go for kid films particularly, but... um... Yeah, I had a long discussion with um, my flatmate who... um, You know, I think a lot of people long to return to childhood or sort of privilege that as a special time, whereas Mm -hmm. even when I was a kid, I always wanted to be an adult. I was just like, oh... You know, this is. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't relate to that yeah. sort of feeling, particularly. Okay. But I don't particularly relate
1: to kiddish films, right? Or, or particularly value.
0: Yeah, it's one of the things. That's I mean, I've got two the... young
1: kids, but I don't gravitate towards things to do with
0: children. Yeah, it's just because yeah. both Mud and La Hola de Oro seem to be.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, coming of age stuff it, yeah. I do like, but like yeah. I, I I take it the kids in this are a little bit younger. But I I don't actually remember what the description said. Yeah, a
0: completely segue <laughs> into right <feel>. um, we <laughs> had some, we had we had some very well authored segues earlier, yeah. and then eventually these things go beyond. Um, other than um, they go beyond, yes they do. Yes, true. Outrage beyond. beyond. <laughs> so Takeshi Kitano is an interesting guy in terms <laughs> I, of somebody who was. <laughs> I'm um, very much sort of a fest favorite and in yeah. g- general a cinephile favorite. Yeah, I first yeah. saw um, Fireworks, also known as Hanabi, yeah, in '96, and it was sort of a revisionist yakuza drama that um, was very laconic with occasional yeah, yeah. bursts of extreme and violence. Then sonatine. Yeah, sonatine. Yeah, sonatine. And uh, there Bad was cop. Violent, cop violent cop boiling point. There were yeah. a couple of a couple of reissues of old ones as yeah. new ones came out, and then he. Um, and there's Kikijuro and then, um, Zatoichi, I think was the last one that sort of had a big thing, which was his reinvention of the blind swordsman. thing. And then he went off. I haven't seen the films, so I'm not going to comment on their quality, but he did three films, uh, Glory to the Filmmaker, uh, Takeshi's. And one other that I can't recall that that are all very self referential. Yeah, Takeshi.
1: like, I've got um, a copy
0: of that, and I don't actually mind it.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, well, it's partially because I didn't realize that he had um, had a prior to getting into filmmaking and into, um, I guess, visceral um, gangster kind of film, Yakuza kind of film. He had a, a, a career as a comedian on yeah. TV. Yeah, beat um, Takeshi. Yeah. yeah, beat Takeshi. And Takeshi's kind of has a look at the dichotomy of those two personas.
0: Yeah, I mean, from all accounts, yeah, I mean, I'd like to catch up with those films because yeah. they sound somewhat interesting, but they are very outside the wheelhouse of kind yeah, yeah. of Um None of them uh, grace the festival no, here. No. And um, you have this thing with certain auteurs that, like, suddenly it's like, their festival regulars and they're gone. Yeah, like, you know Patrice Leconte sort of slipped away. Yeah, um, you know Michel Gondry was gone for a while. He's back this back year again. with Mood Indigo. Yeah, but and Takeshi Kitano was gone for a while. Yeah, and I think um, Outrage actually, uh, which was his I haven't seen to form. I've I've watched it on DVD. What was which, that? Uh, two or three years ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean I don't think it had any sort of theatrical or festival. I think run. in the write up for this they said it almost
1: might be more helpful if you haven't seen Outrage. Oh really? To, or rather, that you shouldn't sort of come with this sort of prepackaged as a sequel in your head. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, because so basically, to step back a bit, outrage was his return to the yakuza narratives mm. that uh, films like Hanabi and yeah. Sonatine occupied, and um, lots of incredibly bloody, yeah, uh, scenes of uh, violence and um, this sort of Byzantine plot of double crosses and what yeah. have you. And so I would uh, say played
1: out in a very laconic fashion. Yes. Yeah. Mm. There's, there's a very dry sensibility running through a lot of his, his, um, his Yakuza and, and gangster films, which makes them very different from, from other ones that you might see or think of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about outrage beyond, which makes it essential for me, um, there are four films this year that are playing in 35mm. Ah. Only four.
1: It's in 35mm. It's Outrage Beyond.
0: Outrage Beyond is in 35mm. Wow. Um, Manuel de, de Oliveira's film, Gebo in the Shadow, is yep. in 35mm. Uh, and then the two live musics, ca- The Cameraman oh, yeah. and The Crowd, oh, yeah. are in 35mm. And that's it. And wow. Next year it'll probably won't even be that many. Yeah. Um, that, that actually makes Outrage Beyond a little more interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean,. I mean, it was interesting anyway. It's on my list. Um. Yeah. I'm a, I, it's one of those things. I know there's certain um, people like um, Dan Sloven who does Cinematica who are just appalled every time they have to watch something in 35 mil. But um, the life of projection of 35 mil is something that is actually important to me. and part of my mm. cinephilia. And um, there's a lot of good arguments for going to DCP and there's uh, digital projection and yeah it affords lots of things in terms of reducing the print costs and allowing the festival to yeah. do things. And um, and it is also just an international trend. It's not like yeah. the Fest has decided to <laughs> not show yeah. 35 mil. It's that most of these people don't, A, don't have 35 mil prints, or B, if they do, they don't want to ship them yeah, to, to New, New Zealand, Zealand to bang around the countryside. Yeah. And also, like, in some cases, it's entirely possible that the prints that we see will be old and beaten up. And... With both my joy and Adam, yeah, we had my joy years that. Ago, yeah. had major breakdowns, yeah. um, and so I mean, I'm not, I'm not completely sentimental, blinded about what 35 mil meant, and think of it as you know, just we're completely going off the cliff in it, and we've lost everything, and life is horrible yeah. now. But um, I do think that seeing a 35 mil print is an increasingly rare privilege, yeah, and. Uh, and that it's a film that I'm very interested in seeing anyway, just so yeah, that's yeah. the deal. Um,
1: oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, that film probably could have played in Incredibly Strange because of um, the violent content of it and yeah. that. A film that's an Incredibly Strange that would actually appeal to a lot of people outside yeah. of Incredibly Strange, conversely, is a, a band called Death, which... Um, so is, is, is the band name actually just Death? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, so uh, in the mid-'70s, before the Ramones, before any of the punk bands that you can name, yeah. there was a band in Detroit, Michigan called Death. Detroit, oh yeah. Detroit, yes. <laughs> you know Eminem and all yeah, those yeah. guys, <laughs> uh, um, and they and they were sort of proge- progenitors of punk rock, um, African American band, and um, African American punk, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, oh. Bad Brains. You yeah, not like They're the yeah. only band that no, ever used no, to like that. but back but, that yeah. far, yeah. Yeah, and, um, but um, they, as somebody who, you know, has a pretty deep collection of that stuff and is pretty passionate about that stuff, I was not familiar at all with them until recently. Um, Could, and, they're part of the um, uh, Draft House cinema, cinema releases, aren't they? Yeah, well, that's, um, what happened is that this film, I think maybe it played at one of the texas festivals oh, and okay, yeah. um the film is basically the story of this band that had this groundbreaking sound but then was never able to break through to the mainstream and then or not even the mainstream but even like the the punk the mainstream punk scene, yeah. you know it's kind of like this little band that nobody quite heard of and disappeared and then uh in part because they chose to call themselves death apparently is one of the issues <laughs> um and so there's part of that but it's also a family thing because i think the part of the thing is about these people discovering that this was the band their parents were in and so it's actually in addition to being like oh this is a great band (laughs) and you should hear this because god knows there's enough documentaries about bands yeah um there's actually a really strong emotional core to it and uh it um has been on vod and just going into theaters in the States in the last month released, as you mentioned, by draft house films. And the response has been really extraordinary with people who don't even necessarily have a lot of empathy with that music really responding to the story Story, of the film. Um, Having a lot of empathy to that music, having listened to a couple death tracks and kind of like having my head torn off sideways and being like, why haven't I heard this before? This is great. Um, I have really high expectation that it's going to be one of the highlights of the fest for me. Excellent. Yeah. Is it Toko? Yes, we... But on to back... Be- in the so my, realm of my, documentary... My, uh, <laughs> my, my fandom of music documentary over you is, uh, is almost my as My fandom of documentary? of well, of, uh, of a certain Mr. Loach Loachian documentary. Loachian documentary, yeah. It's, okay, so okay.
1: another film that sort of I saw pop, pop up on some... Uh, I, I, I follow the 16 films, um, which is Ken Loach's. Production company, I think.
0: You seriously follow Cambridge's yeah. production company? Of course, you do. <laughs> yeah, uh, on Twitter.
1: And um, I so I saw Spirit of Forty Five um, come out, or, or at least you know its release and, and uh, discussion about it on, on Twitter some time ago. So Spirit of Forty Five is a lochin documentary about the. Well, actually, I don't know whether it's about the time back then or just talking about modern things approaching the spirit that happened with um some of the unionist um protests in the UK in around nineteen forty five. Um yeah. So anyway, Ken Loach is, is a is a sort of a noted sort of socialist. Um and really I wasn't very clear in his politics yeah. from his films. They're kind of obscure. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, Did I mention that I hate films that put politics before actual yeah, yeah. believable characters?
1: And um and he's doing all those things that Doug really likes in cinema. <laughs> um it, such as um, preaching a very clear message <laughs> about what he thinks is, is right.
0: Um, well, at least this is a documentary. Yeah, so, so this our... is a
1: documentary yeah. about um, about some of the uh, the key political movements in in um, the UK around that time, but also I think tying it back to current changes in, in politics in the UK now. So like uh, the idea of scrapping the national house system, um, and some of some of those things which are being considered at the moment in UK politics, and tying that back to the the struggle that brought those things into existence back in 45 or back then, um, what it took to make those things a reality for the country and what it meant to the country at the time and then how does that sort of relate to this idea of let's maybe sort of divest ourselves of these things now. Loach has a very strong point of view which I generally tend to agree with Um, but I I mean I, I don't mind a bit of didacticism he he generally con- conveys passion
0: yeah
1: in an area quite strongly and quite well um and i i'm not sure that i've seen a documentary by him before but uh i suspect that it'll be you know quite a pointed pointed <laughs> yeah. and probably you know have moving parts to it and yeah
0: i suppose i mean i suppose it's not unlike um the way in which I often quite agree with uh, Michael Moore, for instance. Yeah, yeah. But that I still have a lot of trouble with a lot of his films because of yeah. uh, the I. polemical <sighs> yeah. nature of them. I mean, I tend to. Um, I mean, I don't know. Every once in a while, like, like for instance, Pink Ribbon Zinc, which played last year, was a very sharply opinionated yeah. film. Um, but it was so witty and acerbic. You know, just taking something that seemed like such a sacred cow. Mm. Of like, well, who could be against breast cancer research and mm. like really tearing into it in a way that you didn't expect? I, that was actually quite um, entertaining to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but um, yeah, I yeah. heard some
1: good things about that.
0: If you're looking for formal innovation in a documentary, yeah. it's not going to change your life in the end. Yeah. It's talking heads and stock footage, yeah. and a couple other things. But um,
1: it, but it's which I don't mind yeah. actually. You know, yeah. if if the I can go on the the content and the subject matter being compelling well
0: yeah then I definitely urge you to yeah. see Pink Ribbon's Inc if I had infinite time and yeah. resources I'd be like oh yeah it might be worth checking out I, um, I follow Loach yeah. as well so I'm
1: I, yeah. I'm a fan of his work and so I'm, I'm quite keen to see what he does with a documentary on a subject that I'm kind of interested in yeah, yeah.
0: And, um, and speaking of sensitive social yeah, yeah, uh, realism as social well. realism
1: um, <laughs> uh, another film that I'm really interested to see and that's high on my list is, uh, is a film called it's a remake actually um, called um, maniac. Um,
0: so that's in the strange That's section. got that lovely little Elijah Wood from The Hobbit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That little yeah. that little cute fellow. Oh, no, he's not The Hobbit. Lord of the Rings. That's yeah, Lord like, of the yeah. Rings. Yeah, he, he's yeah. that cute fellow. Um, yeah, and he's quite cute in this as well, right? I think he's so yeah. adorable. Yeah, I think he's adorably
1: um, creepy. Scalping women? Uh, yeah, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is uh, another strange one. Um, it's got kinda, slightly kind of off-color weird, violent Streak, um, disturbing psychologically disturbing, um, relentlessly uh, grim is
0: one. Uh, I, I, I don't know
1: a lot about it, but um, the description in uh, the strange section of the program really kind of twigged me and thought, okay, this is right up my alley. Apparently, it's mostly first person, which is kind yes, of interesting. Yes, which um, um, was the other thing that I thought, oh, that could be quite.
0: Yeah, it's one. To, to be honest, I'm struggling a bit with whether or not I'll go. Um, on one hand. Like the whole idea of the first person um, experience is something you, you don't have a lot in a film. And it's yeah. like oh, it might be interesting. I mean, I know there's like Lady by the Lake and a couple other films yeah, yeah. that have done that. Enter the Void and what have you. Yeah. But um, so that sounded interesting. But it sounds. It also sounds like I mean,
1: and also the idea of, of Elijah yeah. Wood kind of like the 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 subversive factor of having this well-known, somewhat cutesy actor.
0: Yeah, I don't like. I mean, I saw Spring Breakers and it's like Disney princesses, they're doing drugs, they're doing sex. It's like, woo! And you know, I yeah. just, that, that just never does much for me for the most part. Yeah. Um, I mean, um, every once in a while, like Leo DiCaprio in Celebrity, um, the Woody Allen film where he yeah. just gleefully dismantles what was then kind of a goody goody yeah, yeah. public image was um, good fun. But in general, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, That yeah. gives me a lot of thrills. And it does, and, and most of the reports are that it is, um, you know, cheap thrills as um dark as it is, i it is kind of like an entertaining, like, woo, you know, kind of thrill ride. Yeah, yeah. Um whereas it sounds like Maniac is more of just maybe the most difficult to stomach film in the um in the program, program this year. Maybe um, that's why it so. appeals.
1: I I yeah, I have a bent <laughs> towards a certain number of things. Um, you know, I I like mm-hmm. obviously my low documentaries and uh and <laughs> and and uh, slow moving Russian dramas, um, or Eastern European dramas, but uh, I also have a bent towards slightly disturbing.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds... I mean, Maniac definitely, uh, by all accounts, is up that bill. Whereas I have a bent towards the completely freaking weird and um, incredibly strange sounds like it's got me sorted for that this mm. year as well, um, A Field in England. Oh, now, yes. that's the latest film by Ben, ben Wheatley, Wheatley. Yeah. who has been a festival regular now for a couple... Years I think almost back-to-back, back because last year was Sightseers. Yeah, Sightseers, which, and then... um was uh, black comedy. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, I really I really, really it fun. Um, and then... Uh, Part of
1: that was Kill List? Kill List, Was that the yes. year before?
0: That, I think that was the year, year before. before. Yeah, uh, And that worked in a different register yeah. again. Uh, of kind of this... Uh, I enjoyed that, but I had a few more issues with it. Yeah, well, with Kill List and Sightseers, he's made two films in a row that I find really interesting but i don't love the actual direction of yeah. like i said i mean i would sit down and watch those films again but um his, his working method relies a lot on improvisation and so at the end of it you often he's captured the moments but because he's sort of shooting on the fly they're not necessarily as cinematically crafted yeah. as if he had been shooting a script and in something like kill list which is you know sort of a suspense horror there's so yeah. much that could be made of Those moments that uh, to me I feel like sometimes is slightly lost in the direction because you're you're shooting stuff and then you're putting it together later and it's like actually like to have somebody like Ty West or Polanski or somebody go back and shoot those scenes you can imagine that they get another layer of that but then you get to certain set pieces like Hammer Time and uh, Kill List um, and then they're quite Mm. I think effective when those moments are planned all which is a long way of saying that is probably, in some ways, he's definitely not my favorite director, but he's managed to make two films in a row that, despite some of my issues with his actual like filmmaking on a shot-by-shot basis, I've still found really compelling. Mm. Um, yeah. And A Field in England and looks yeah, to uh, genre genre films even say, more compelling. Yeah, well, in very different genre films. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the
1: thing. It's like, how often do you hit genre films that you find kind of somewhat refreshing and... <laughs> And just different. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and I think um, he's upping the ante with different from what I understand of a field in England, which is basically... Vampires? Zombies? What? No. Um, as far as I understand, it's set during the English Civil War, and yep. a couple of soldiers wind up in a field and take some magic mushrooms. <laughs> and it's in black and white. And uh, and it's apparently has this kind of trippy soundtrack, and they talk a lot and space out. And... The, the language around it and the, even the programming has been like, this will be a bit off-putting to some people. And not I, I don't think it's necessarily aimed at uh, or likely to get as as big of a uh, crowd in as Kill List or Sightseers or maybe be as crowd-pleasing as those films. Having said that, the films that it's reminded me of from its f- description are things like Beyond the Black Rainbow and Phase 4, which oh, are yeah. these very like, kind of trippy films. I've still films. yet to have a chance to see Beyond Black the black rainbow which sounds like it that's right okay that, that just means your life will get better at some point yeah um, kids hoping and and so yeah i really love that vibe of the film yeah. i just love um i mean i'm not a drug person myself and so maybe that's why i'm drawn to these films that are kind of <laughs> druggy is that i can ex- experiment with these kind of altered textures of Reality mm. and getting lost in that and um, yeah Field in England has just opened in the UK and has been getting uh, some pretty entranced reviews there from people who've seen it like wow this is a really unique distinctive mm. film so um, quite excited yeah um, yeah this has made
1: my list as well just on the back of being a Ben Wheatley film
0: because
1: the last two have been just quite interesting yeah yeah
0: Cool. Well, I mean, there's a hundred other films that are probably also really good as well, oh, yeah. and if anyone wants to send us screeners, maybe we'll watch them and talk about <laughs> them. But, uh, you know, in terms of our wallets, I think that covers what we're, yeah, we're going to see. yeah. And um, so, yeah, we'll try to uh, sneak out one or two of these during the festival, maybe, and uh, let you know if what we've seen is, what we thought was going to be good was, uh, was as good as, as, good as we, as we thought, hoped, or yeah. per- perhaps better, or if we've a- snuck a- in any and surprises the, and the, uh, and along the, yeah, the way. And,
1: and the surprises that, uh, they, that sort of grabbed us from left
0: field. Yeah, and I, I I think at some point we restored still the um, the interrogation about my uh, um, cinema wall of shame or what what you call <laughs> oh, it? Yeah. yeah yeah list of shame ultimately. yeah the list of shame since I gave you uh, <laughs> such a uh, reeking over the coals last time. About that, <laughs> Thank so. God, yeah. fella, Good Lord. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, uh, we we can talk about my, my not having seen Unforgiven next time. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but until then, uh, this is Doug. And this is Jacob. And this has been Best Worst Podcast. Thank you.